thank you for joining us for Julia Khan the podcast. I am so sorry I missed yesterday's episode. Uh, I did watch the very first few minutes of it. It's so good. I really recommend watching it. And Nathan has raised the bar so high for intros. Uh, I was really stressed out about doing the intro today uh, because he did a really great intro yesterday. <laughs> uh, my name is Huda, and I will be your host today. Joining me are Nathan and uh, Keno. Hi. Uh, uh, so for today, we have a really great, amazing uh, lineup for uh, our interviews. Uh, we have Mary McGarth, we have uh, Tanmay Bakshi, and uh, Matt Brzezinski. Um, and we also have someone for the Say Hi segment, and we are really excited to have them with us for uh, this episode. Uh, today was the first day of JuliaCon. Uh, I know we've been doing this for a couple uh, days already, uh, but today is the first official day, and uh, there were really amazing uh, talks and events that went on today. Actually, Nathan, there will be a segment about that uh, later. Okay, so getting started, uh, we have a lot of things for today's episode. So we will start off with the Say Hi segment, and we will um, bring Azamat uh, with us here to this uh, interview. Azamat, you can uh, reveal yourself. Hi. Hello, guys. Hi, everyone. Uh, How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, so, as I'm a, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, I was just going to ask you first of all, is this your, what number JuliaCon is this for you? Uh, so, the, I haven't attended in person before, but I've been watching uh, the live streams and videos like you, the, the previous years since like uh, 2015. I've been following wow. the conferences, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well, so hopefully next year. Berkeley, in uh, MIT, in, in uh, I think, I believe there was one in Chicago. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, I saw, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Hopefully next year you can uh, join us and all of us will uh, join in uh, Lisbon. Uh, well, unofficially, yeah, we agreed that it's um, not really, uh, we don't know if it's in Lisbon, sure. right? Uh, yeah. I really hope, yeah. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you do and um, how do you use Julia and um, how <coughs> has Julia shown up in your work and career? Uh, yeah, so uh, I, um, I'm an applied mathematician working um, based in Toronto, uh, working here in a startup uh, as a machine learning engineer. Um, first, uh, I, I've been using Julia since 2015. At the time, I was an undergrad student. Um, I started using it as for my summer research project, and that's uh, I got that's I, I got basically hooked for it for all the reasons that most of us got hooked. Basically, speed and usability and all the goodies. Um, and it's been I've been using it ever since, and I really enjoy it. Like uh, I follow the conversations on Discord, Slack. Like, uh, and I'm really happy to meet you guys in person, like uh, Ken or Nathan. I, I like. I know you're like terrific guys in, in terms of your skills and Julia contributions. So yeah, really, really nice to meet you, everyone. Nice uh, to meet you. In my and we're very job, happy to yeah. have you. Yeah, sure. Uh, in my current job, uh, I'm mostly using Python just because of all the legacy projects. But uh, we're slowly introducing uh, Julia as well, uh, specifically. Have a project where we're doing uh, 
linear optimization and uh, that's where uh, I'm kind of introducing the jump library to, uh, because it's just so so uh, there, there is no comparison like to, to say like uh, other libraries in, in uh, say Python um, or MATLAB whatever like the, the actually the closest one would be kind of AMP which I used as well, but but it's a commercial and it's a it's a kind of separate language. So yeah, Jump and and Julia in, in general was is, is really terrific. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yes, Jump is a very powerful package. I actually agree. Yeah. Uh, so um, Azamat, um, our interview with you is about to uh, end. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah. It was great to have you. If there's any other final words, are you giving any talks or are you, do you have a favorite talk or do you have any uh, final <coughs> things you want to tell us? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, I've been back in Kazakhstan in my country. Uh, so uh, I gave a few workshops. I didn't like popularize them in Discord or anywhere, but uh, I, I tried to kind of spread the, create kind of a small community there. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess when you look at the, uh, recently someone posted a map of uh, of uh, Julia registrations or something, there was like three small dots in, in Kazakhstan, uh, from Kazakhstan. So I, I, I'm i pretty sure that was like <laughs> my, wow. my small role there. So yeah. That's uh, amazing. Wow. That's amazing. You know. Yes, we'd love to hear about that. If you uh, want to share any news about that, if you have pictures or any uh, updates about those workshops you gave, we would love to uh, hear more about them. I think you can post on this course or on the community channel and uh, Slack. We'd love to see yep. them. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so thank you for all of your work on uh, yeah, Julia. And, uh, it was nice to meet you. It was likewise very nice to meet you and hopefully we'll meet you in person uh, in the future. Yeah, great. All right. Thank you, Asaman. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Nice to meet you. Bye. And uh, with that, we will move to Keno, where he is going to take us uh, and give us some, um, uh, show us some pictures from previous yes, cons, I think. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. We've had some submissions of um, pictures from various people in the community. If you don't know, you can submit pictures and have them shown on the podcast. Um, and the uh, link to that form will be in the description below as uh, Nathan would say, and we've had two submissions for today's episode. So this first picture is from Jeff. Uh, you may have uh, may remember him talking about how much he liked the boats at Julia Khan. So uh, this is the boat from last year in Baltimore Harbor. Um, the top deck of the boat, uh, the boat had, I think three or four levels. So the top level of the boat um, which, uh, where we had the party at uh, JuliaCon last year. And a quick side note, uh, follow-up from yesterday, uh, I suggested we should have a boat in gather.town, and in fact, there now is a boat in gather.town. So uh, not to miss out, JuliaCon 2020 does also have a boat. Uh, many thanks to yes. Ian, uh, Ian Butterworth, yes, who's been thanks. managing the uh, gather.town, who heard this podcast and made it happen. So many thanks. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you to all our, all our listeners who are so active and interacting. Uh, okay, and the uh, second picture is from uh, submitted by Elliot Saba from JuliaCon 2018, where apparently somebody vandalized one of the whiteboards. Uh. 
and for those of you listening, um, the uh, uh, the whiteboard says Julia sucks for Toronto for life. All right, and with that, uh, back to Nathan for an update on the conference. Yeah, so um, we promised yesterday to uh, wander gather.town during the gather.town social time that was held today. And um, I did just that very thing, um, collected a bunch of gather.town uh, random uh, interviews, uh, hellos from uh, various people in the uh, community, which is really nice. Um, thanks to those of you who put up with me pestering you for interviews and also everybody who put up with me uh, doing it twice because the video quality was really bad. And so still some of these um, interviews are, are somewhat poor video quality. My apologies. Um, it's kind of half and half good and bad here. Um, but so we're just going to play this uh, quick segment of me uh, wandering around and talking to people in the community. Do you want to do a quick hello and a, a, um, a brief introduction and, and just a couple 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and then we can do some questions? Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, long story short, uh, I'm Thibaut. Um, I've been using Julia since uh, Julia 0.4, so um, quite a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm now using it quite a lot, and even professionally when I can. My area is more machine learning, and um, yeah, I've been involved in machine learning for Julia, so MLJ and uh, Franklin, uh, the website generator, and yeah, that's about it. That's Be awesome. happy, Julia user. Are you having an okay time on this online conference? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm struggling to um, uh, pick between the different choices and yeah. find my way around these uh, gathered towns. But uh, these are the same problems you have even in a real conference, trying to pick which talk to attend. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Is this absolutely. your first Julia come? Uh, yeah, that's it awesome. is. I wanted to come to the previous one, and then it didn't work out with the, the timing. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah. But uh, I was well, really hoping to attend this one in, you know, live. Me too. But, yeah. Me too. I know we all are. But uh, we're, it's great that you could still come. It's wonderful. Can you give like a thirty-second pitch for Franklin for those who don't know? Yeah. So Franklin is a static website generator, a bit like Jekyll and Hugo, except that it's all in Julia, um, and of course it's less feature complete because um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot uh, younger. But I guess it's focused around making it easy to, um, uh, for people to write Julia code to define a bunch of pages. So you, that, that allows you to do a lot of things. Um, so it's, it's probably very, it, it should be, probably the, the punchline is that it's like a hackable static site generator. Um, and it, covers some of what Weave does in that you can run Julia code on your web pages and then, and, and, uh, which makes it really nice for, if you, if you want to write a tutorials website, for instance, where you show Julia code and everything is, is, is executed when you deploy the website. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's a neat project. It's worth, uh, check it out if you haven't seen it already. I think both Franklin and Weave are, are really cool projects. Yeah. Thanks. And now the the, the main Julia website is using Franklin, which is like pretty fun. Oh, that's huge! Um, yeah, you should definitely yeah. highlight that. So the Julia yeah. dot JuliaLang org is built with Franklin. Yeah, that's amazing. That's right. Yeah, wow! Mm. And it's a very professional looking, nice, like, nice website. So. Yeah, well, actually, the looks is is always you know like it's it's the part that people of course would would see first, but it's the least. Uh, 
it's the least interesting part to develop in a way because you can use you know frameworks which do most of the CSS for you. And of course, I mean, it's still, uh, it still requires a fair bit of skills to, to get it right. And, and most of the design was done before I joined and before I migrated the backend to, mm -hmm. to Franklin. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's more like cheers to uh, other people who, who were involved in that. Makes sense. But, uh, but, then, but yeah, I'm glad it worked out. So there's like Julia being generated, like uh, there, there's like Julia examples and things on the website that those parts are coming through Franklin. Yeah, and then there are there is like I think at least one, and then um, you know like there there are small things which would probably look invisible but are uh, very convenient for maintainers. So for instance, um, when uh, a new Julia version gets released, uh, the 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 web page with all of the instructions uh, indicating what version to download and all that, all of that is kind of. Uh, automatically updated. That's really nice. Um, so it makes it a lot easier to, to just to maintain stuff rather than having to type 1.4.3 uh, everywhere. <laughs> that That's because you can just write or standard Julia. right now. Yeah, exactly. So you're saying yeah, because yeah. you can write standard Julia for these rules. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's nice. Yeah, that's right. There, there's, there's like a bunch of tricks like this that just um, make it easier to do, you know, to maintain whatever is repeated on a website and yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I think that's all the time us, uh, that we have, but I really appreciate you coming on. Hi, my name is Renan. I'm from Brazil and I work uh, with transportation problems, uh, mostly optimization. And I never use it, Julia, actually, but I'm looking for it. I'm now using Java and a little bit of Python for prototypes. Mm -hmm. So my idea right now is to swipe uh, Python and Julia. So yeah. it's going to be cool. And our hope, the, the, the belief that we all have here is that you'll find you won't even need to go back to Java because your prototype in Julia can also become <laughs> your production system because it'll be just as fast. And, or you'll have the ability to make it just as fast. Uh, and that might be um, a lot of fun. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, hello, I'm Stefan from, I'm studying in Vienna for my math PhD and I'm using two years since one year and the last year was really nice. Less linker errors and more focus on learning programming in a good way. <laughs> so yeah, I really love the community here. Like so many of the famous programmers also are reachable. So that really amazed me when Chris answered to my first pull request. Yeah. yeah, and the tree icon is very great to learn. Agreed. That's really nice. We're so glad to have you. Is this your first JuliaCon that you've been to? Yes, definitely. That's awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming. It's so nice to meet you, and we'll keep seeing you around online, I'm sure. Sure. So I'm actually a new... My name is Barun Das, and I'm a newcomer to Julia. I started programming with it last month. Oh, I am awesome. currently a graduate student at UT Austin for petroleum engineering. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. What got you into Julia? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. What, what got you um, into Julia? So I am currently programming in C++, and it's a very tough language to use, so I want to try converting some of my programs to Julia to make things more efficient. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Well, you're in the right place. So we're happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, greetings everybody. Uh, I'm Jovan van Kerkhove uh, from uh, right now almost nighttime Bechelen, <laughs> Belgium to be precise. 
I know there are a lot of Mechalas in the world, but it's the one and only. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been a Julia user almost for four years now, thanks to one of my colleagues, Ben Lauwers. <laughs> Uh, work for the Royal Militar Military Academy of uh, Belgium. So, yeah. And I'm having a lot of fun with Julia and getting way too distracted by the stuff around my house to pay too a lot of attention to the conference, sadly. Uh, no, understandable, understandable. Yeah, there's, al there's always something going up or st stuff like that. Yes, very much understood. It's the hard thing about a conference from home. Yeah, indeed. But, well, anyway, we're glad that uh, you could join us online, and nice. thank you for taking the time to say hello. No, no problem. Uh, everybody you. enjoy yourselves. Thank you. Yeah, so thanks again to everybody who um, was interviewed. It was really a lot of fun. I had a great time. And now um, we just wanted to uh, recap some other things that happened today. Um, today was, of course, the first day of um, talks at JuliaCon. We had the first keynote speaker uh, this morning. Um, and um, uh, there are, of course, two more days. Uh, today is Wednesday. Uh, when we're recording, anyway, today is Wednesday the 29th. And um, there will be more talks on Thursday and Friday. Um, so today we heard from a whole bunch of people, including um, the keynote speaker, um, Karen Wilcox, uh, which was really enjoyable, talking about scientific machine learning. And um, there have been a couple talks already uh, throughout JuliaCon about scientific machine learning. So it's really cool to see these, um, what kinds of topics uh, are, are, are coming up this year, um, more than previous years. So, and um, tomorrow's keynote um, will be at the same time. Um, so please uh, check that out as well from Juan Pablo um, talking Oh, actually, I don't know what his keynote is about. It doesn't say. Uh, check out tomorrow the keynote from Juan Pablo at the same time. Um, thank you, everyone, and uh, we'll see you around. And now um, we're going to jump to Keno, who's going to um, bring us to our interviews with our guests for today. Absolutely. And before we do that, quick note, we do now have officially 10,000 registrations um, as of the first day of the conference. So uh, thank you to everyone who did a last-minute marketing push yesterday. I know there was like 9,800 registration and then people just went out and tweeted and got the word out to uh, push us over the 10,000 number. So a uh, good job, everyone. And welcome to all 10,000 of you to JuliaCon with a podcast, uh, with a sideshow. Go watch the talks. All right. And with that, uh, to our first interview, uh, we're very happy uh, to have with us uh, Tanmay Bakshi, who is the author of uh, Tanmay Teaches Julia, uh, introductory Julia book for all ages, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, Tom, I tell, tell us how old you are right now. <laughs> sure. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm 16, 16 years old. Yes, 16. That is the age that I started working on Julia. So um, one Fair. thing that I find so cool about the Julia community is just so how many young people and people of all ages um, are involved in the community. So why don't you tell us how, uh, how you got started with Julia and what made you write this book? Sure. So, I mean, I got involved with the Julia community in a couple of different ways. Um, and if you take a look at what I love doing, there's really two main parts to it. So the first one is, of course, I love working with technology and building new tech. Um, and and on, on the other side of it, there's also that I love taking that tech and making it so that more people can actually work with it and more people can build it themselves. Uh, and both of those actually led me to Julian in, in, in a couple of different ways. Um, for example, as I was building technology, you know, uh, a pretty interesting story here is uh, 
around last year, um, I started working on a new project uh, with with IBM actually um, on on the DB2 code base. And essentially, the point of that project was: can we use machine learning technology uh, to to help developers working on the DB2 code base uh, in order to allow them to test their code more effectively? So, you know, previously it was pretty uh, inefficient. Can we somehow make it so that you can test code code modifications or additions to like a 30 million line code base? in a more effective way. There were a couple of different um, sort of aspects to that. One of them was developing compiler tooling uh, to actually enable us to instrument DB2 code on a variety of different platforms really, really fast. Uh, but then at the same time, there was also how can we actually implement the machine learning algorithms to analyze that data? And it, it turned out that, first of all, the compiler tooling that I developed got me really, you know, weirdly fascinated about the world of compilers. And, and you know, I, I was sort of hooked to learning more about the world of compiler tech. Uh, that led me to Julia in a way, right? So, so seeing how the Julia compiler enables different technologies like machine learning to, to sort of exist within the language itself. Um, but then also on the other end, the machine learning algorithms that we required for the use case were pretty exotic, right? So things like, recursive neural networks for analyzing graphs and, and things like this. Um, and implementing those in, in other libraries like TensorFlow is, is notoriously difficult. And so as, it, as with you know, a lot of other things, it sort of boiled down to, it was fundamentally a lot simpler and faster for us to code those algorithms in Julia than it would have been in essentially any other, any other framework. So that sort of led me to the world of Julia in one way and that you know, continued to fascinate me for a, for a very long time, you know, does to this day. That's why I like to sort of call it my, my, my favorite programming language for all things you know, machine learning, scientific computing, that kind of thing. And on the other end, around making tech more accessible, I started to notice that, you know, a lot of beginners um, would learn a language like Python because of the fact that they don't need to think very much about the logic of what's going on behind the instructions they give the language, right? All they got to do is, is tell it what they want, and usually things end up working. They might not be fast, it might not work the way you expect necessarily, but it usually works. And that kind of annoyed me because if you're learning a language like, like, like Python, and if that is your first language, if that's what you plan on coding in, that's not particularly great for your future. That's not particularly great for what you're going to continue to do you know, in the industry, right? You're gonna be working with advanced technology like, again, the one that I primarily work with machine learning. And I wanted to make it so that you know, people had a better language to start off with. Before I found Julia, actually the first um, sort of set or programming language meant for this that I found was Swift or TensorFlow. And I was like, you know, this is a lot better, right, than, than the Python ecosystem that we've had for so much time. Um, it allows you to interoperate with Python, right? You, you've got the Swift syntax, which is definitely still easy, right? It's, it's, it's not difficult. Um, but at the same time, you have machine learning capabilities built right into the compiler. And then when I found Julia, that was sort of like the, the icing on top where it's like, you know, now it's as simple as Python too. So now we can introduce this to kids, you know, without having them being afraid of, of Swift syntax and still they can be ready to, to implement next generation technologies once they've learned the language. Um, and so that's why, I mean, as you mentioned, I, I wrote my book. So that's called Tammy Teaches Julia. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had actually started the new Tammy Teaches series with Meg Rawhill and decided that it would be a good idea for Julia to be the, uh, the first language 
that we cover in, in the series. So um, I thought, you know, w- what better way to start off the series than, than with Julia? Uh, towards the end, I actually do show off a couple of different machine learning examples as well. And it just goes to show how machine learning can be so simple in a language like Julia, even for something a little bit more complex like Google DeepTream, where you actually have to do that gradient calculation and use that to modify images. Um, that that you know you you can implement it in a, in a kid's book and so uh, and so that's why you know I I love the world Julia I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by compilers I love working on you know the back ends for different languages I feel like it's it's a very underrated field and and, and we should pay more attention to it you know it's 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 fast it's great for the different um, use cases that I have like for example analyzing hundreds or tens of millions of lines of code and you know stack traces that yeah. we billions of calls and at the same time it's amazing for for beginners to be able to learn with and, and that's why that's why I love Julia so much. What uh what other books will there be in your series? Is there gonna be a Time My Teachers compiler? Uh, technology book <laughs> for kids. Actually, <laughs> I am actually currently working on a couple of different new books under the Tammy Jesus series. Uh-huh. One of them is going to be on compilers. Um, really? As a matter of fact, the next two books, uh, I mean, the next one book that's currently planned is around the Go language, uh, after mm-hmm. which uh, I am currently working on a book around, you know, LLVM and compilers. So that should be fun. Uh, as a matter cool. of fact, actually, one more thing that I noticed is, you know, as, as I've been going to a couple of different conferences, like, for example, I was, um, I was doing a few um, workshops with with students in, um, in 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 Canada. I did a workshop at a conference. Uh, we are developers in in Vienna, uh, in Vienna, and at a lot of these conferences, when I would do whenever I would do these workshops, and I would talk about you know the world of Julia and the different things that it enables you to do. The fact that everybody at those workshops, regardless of their age or regardless of their background, was able to sort of just get the way Julia syntax works, but at the same time, you know, be able to code in a language that understands them enough to be able to optimize their code well, that really, I, I love that, right? Because personally, as, as I've been introducing people to these languages, Julia makes my work a lot easier too, because now I can, I can actually have people understand a language that's good for them. <laughs> so so it, it, it really fit well. Yeah, wonderful. No, I, I love I love the work that you're doing because you know often you hear you know kids' age is, is too young to like actually teach them the real tools, but I, I just think that's complete nonsense because you know, I got started. I think my first programming book was called uh, Game Development for Kids with C right? So it was like actually like here's a proper game engine, here's C and yeah, simple examples and you know um, written in a very accessible way. But still, like, you know, kids can totally understand programming. I mean, Absolutely. fundamentally, there's nothing hard about it. So I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, you're taking that approach and you're writing those books um, to, to give, people the, give people and kids the, the opportunity um, uh, to learn something like this. So thank I you. just wanted to yeah. say thank you for that. Of course, of course. I mean, it's it's really what I'm passionate about. I mean, as you mentioned, bringing resources like Julia to 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 really everybody. You know, kids being definitely being sort of that that main age group. I mean, you mentioned that the Julia community is pretty young. That's definitely a plus. Uh, I feel like one of the main reasons for that is because you know kids getting into the world of technology are looking for languages like Julia that that are at the same time not just ready for the future but in fact have a lot of scope for growth in the future right like Julia while at the same time being open source right at the same time being easy to learn and and I feel like all of this um, really compounds down to to a great experience for everybody to learn Julia um, 
as a matter of fact, you know, as, as I was working on this book, um, I had uh, gotten in touch uh, with, with Viral, uh, Viral Shah, because, uh, you know, I, I uh, thought it would be really fun if I would get um, a, a forward for, for the book from, from Viral. Uh, and so I, I reached out to him. He's been incredibly supportive. You know, it's, it's, it's great to see that people like Viral, uh, leaders in, 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 in this technology, are, are sort of spearheading the initiative uh, of, of Julia. And so it's, uh, it's, it's been really, uh, it's been really great to work with this, to work with the community. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, so we're coming up on time, um, but uh, anything, anything else you wanna, you wanna say to the community or say about Julia, about Julia Khan? Um, anything else on your mind? Well, really, I would say that, I mean, first of all, this is my first JuliaCon, uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited to take a look at the different sessions. I hope I can actually attend in person next year. Uh, who knows, maybe hold so a do couple we. <laughs> work, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. hopefully soon. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure it's going to be fun. I'm going to be taking a look at all, a lot of the different sessions, seeing what's new in the world of Julia, and uh, I can't wait to see where the Julia community progresses from here. And I'm, I'm certain there's a lot of scope for growth. You know, in a, a lot of different times I talk about Julia, I almost say it's kind of like ahead of its time, right? It's it's so futuristic that a lot of people don't completely understand exactly how it's useful. And so I feel like in the future we're going to start to see a lot more adoption for this language, and uh, can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much, Chama, and you know, impressive, impressive work, and, um, and I was very impressed with uh, with you and you know your ability to both do technical work at that age and speak so well at that age because I, I certainly you know while I thought of myself as being pretty good technically, I'm not sure I could have uh, I could have done what you do and and go out and teach people and. Um, you know, represent technology and be a leader in, in this way. So thank you. Um, I mean, it's I'm very impressed and, and thank you again for, um, for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can be here again next year. <laughs> we look forward to it. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. And uh, with that, Nathan, do you want to do sure, our second thanks. interview? Awesome, thanks. Hey, okay, so uh, next we have um, Mary McGrath. Um, so Mary, do you wanna hop on in? Hey. Hi, Mary. Um, so fun fact for everyone in the audience, Mary and I are probably less than two miles apart right now, though we yeah, are- um, I absconded. You absconded? I'm in rural Rhode Island. So we're like- oh. <laughs> But for those listening, Rhode Island is big enough. <laughs> yeah, for those who, uh, who don't live in the U.S. or just don't know this, Rhode Island is the smallest state in the United States, so uh, she can't be very far away. Um, no. uh, where like are you? Forty miles. Not too bad. Yeah. Okay. Forty miles. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming on, Mary. Um, um, uh, Mary is a um, research software engineer at um, uh, Brown University's. Uh, Center for Computation and Visualization. Um, and um, do you wanna just maybe introduce yourself? And um, yeah, why don't yeah. you start just introduce yourself? So as Nathan said, I'm a research software engineer with Brown Center for Computation and Visualization. We kind of work with researchers all over the university on whatever problems they have. Um, unfortunately, most of the time that's not Julia, but sometimes it is and I, where I heavily encourage them to make it Julia, which is fun for me. Um, but yeah, so I work on anything from databases to mathematical modeling to like web and like visualization. So very, very full stack on that regards. Um, I came to Julia in 2018. 
basically when I took the job at Brown, the original group I was working with said, we're a Julia shop. So you need to learn Julia. And I was like, okay. Uh, never heard of it, but I like learning. So why not? Um, and I really enjoy kind of the process of learning Julia. I feel like I learned a lot about computer science by learning Julia and like reading through all of the sections of the documentation piecemeal. Um, whereas like when you start with a language like Python or something, you can kind of get away with not knowing much and they don't necessarily encourage you in the same way to learn things. But yeah, in my prior life, I was a consultant. Um, so I've also kind of just been growing my technical skills a lot more deeply over the past few years. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, I, I think it partly maybe just comes from the like very open nature and the um, like the collaborative nature of the community or something. But the, the the documentation is very much, and I think maybe it also has something to do with language. But I agree, the documentation is very um, like go get your wrench and 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 understand why it works this way. Yeah, yeah, and I think also because almost all Julia packages are written in pure Julia it's a lot easier to just start diving into the source code and be like, what's happening here? Or like, because especially two years ago, it was a less mature language than it is now, things wouldn't always work. So being like, oh, why is this broken? And then going into the source code and reading all these people's code and how they did stuff. I learned a lot just by that. Whereas often in other languages, you quickly hit a wall where now you're often like C or C++ land. And it's just an interface. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What, um, what packages do you like, so you do, you do data work, you said with databases and, and, and understanding data, what, what sorts of like Julia packages are you using day to day and what's your. Day to day, I like to use Vegalite and data frames in my SQL quite a bit. That's a common stack I end up with. Um, I also really like that Vegalite is a grammar of graphics. So we have a great Julia package for it. And also for Vega, David's really been, David Antoff has done a ton of work over the past year to kind of expand that world. But underlying is a lot of JavaScript. So then when I move to the web, I can just kind of take all of this work I did in Julia and just move it over pretty seamlessly without having to like rethink all of my visualization, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't ton do tons of day-to-day -to -day Julia, like real development. So it's a lot of like quick calculator work or like let me connect to this database and grab some data and then move on as opposed to like doing deeper work. But Someday. it's really nice for that, yeah. Yeah. What um, what is your like JavaScript um, front end work look like? Um, what, like what? Yeah, what are, what are you doing in the JavaScript world? Um, we at CCV had a a long debate, and we decided to be a view shop. That was our our compromise framework. Um, but mostly, a lot of researchers have these really kind of great ideas, and they do all this great work on the back end, and they need to present it to the world and they're like, oh, now what do we do? So a lot of it is kind of taking all this data science and data work and kind of creating front ends to make that accessible to other people. So whether that's kind of biz to explore data or to expose like APIs, which sometimes we do write in Julia um, so that people can get at that good work that the researchers are doing. That's really cool. Um, can you talk a bit, I, I know you did a page for Julia Combo this year and last year. Um, can you talk about that page that you gave a talk about last year? It was really cool. Oh, the, the Explore Talks page. Yeah, so last year I did a lightning talk on kind of moving from visualization from Julia to the web with Vega Lite and kind of a little bit of the full stack of going through like web scraping to a little bit of ex exploration of data and um, how you actually can turn that into like interactive visualization and then even just quickly deploy that to the web because that step is so easy with Vega Lite. I want to show that off. Um, 
And then this year when we were doing the web app, I was like, well, I can just update that again. Cause I kind of made, ended up making a little word cloud and like a version of the calendar that kind of just shows off all the talks that are happening. Partly because I think the pre-talks UX and UI is really hard to navigate at times. Um, that's how I'm going to put that. Yeah, so for those of you following along, uh, if you're at the live.juliacon.org, our web app, um, up in the top right corner there's this Explore Talks build, and that's um, based on the um, work that Mary presented last year at JulieCon, she was just talking about now. So definitely recommend you check it out. It's a really fun way to find talks that you might be interested in. Um, what um, Was there anything that surprised you about this year's word cloud, like how it was different than last year's? Package was way more prominent this year than last year. So maybe everyone's just packaging their work or I don't know what changed, but last year that was like a small word. Like people mentioned it, but now it's like every time you load it, it's like package. Yeah, that's the biggest there. one that I see right here. Yeah. Which isn't the most exciting word, but it is nice to see that people are, you know, putting their code into packages to make it available for the community easily. That's really neat. Um, I also wanted to ask about, um, so you're, I think in this really interesting and new role, um, or it was new to me. And I think it's like maybe newish of this data, uh, the, the, um, research software engineer, um, that I think is this like model being piloted in a lot of universities. Can you uh, talk more about that role and, and, um, expand on? Yeah. Uh, so research software engineers are kind of, um, people who, tend to have a bit more kind of academic training than most. Like I, I'm actually one of the only people in my group who doesn't have an advanced degree, um, but almost everyone has a PhD or a master's in something sciencey. We kind of work with researchers to help them write better software and to kind of package their software to make it open source and reproducible. Reproducibility is a big part of what we do because it's very easy for you know a grad student in a lab to write some R script that works for them, but then how do you turn that into actual science that other people can use? Um, so some of that is writing packages, some of that is just good bringing good practices to researchers. But it's actually, it was at JuliaCon in 2018, there was a talk by Michael, I'm forgetting his last name, about kind of research software engineering in the UK. And I was sitting there with a couple of my colleagues from Brown, and we were like, wait, this is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually introduced research software engineer as a track within our data science practice as a result of JuliaCon 2018 and seeing that talk. So the whole reason I'm a research software engineer is because of JuliaCon. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I saw that talk too before I met you all, and then I met you all, and I was like, oh my god, this is what that talk was about. And uh, yeah, it's it's so neat. Um, do you, um, what, what is it? Uh, what is it like, sort of being the liaison between the software engineers and the and the um, academic labs? Like, are there any unique? benefits or challenges that, uh, that that come up from that? Not to put anybody out on the spot or anything, but. No, I mean, mostly it's quite rewarding because you're kind of taking science and like making it better for the most part or kind of, there's also a big teaching role into it because we work with a lot of kind of grad students or staff within labs who maybe aren't as technical. So also like passing on like best practices and setting them up so they can do continuous integration and write tests and like deploy things. Um, so there's a big teaching role to that, which is, is really quite fun. Um, the challenge is that you are often working with people who don't have as much of an appreciation for kind of the technical side of things. And sometimes you would like to prioritize something, but they don't really see the benefit of doing that in the short term. 
So sometimes you don't get to, to go down all those rabbit holes. And because we're collaborating with a lot of different labs that have their own kind of stacks and everything, we often are a little bit more bound to working with the languages that they have in place as opposed to kind of doing things how we would have from scratch. So I do a lot of Python and MATLAB and the occasional R, but trying to avoid R. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, that's cool. And it, um, sorry, I, um, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I got a text message that distracted me as uh, as you're talking at the end there. Um, but uh, uh, yes, that is you amazing. Out of this podcast bubble. What'd you say? Yes, the, this is the only. This is where I live. I live in this podcast. I, I don't exist. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, no, and then I was thinking about R, and I was thinking about um, Jacob's talk about how we had with the very first interview we did, and how he yeah. um, said that he escaped from R to here, and how he was so happy and. It, yeah. R just doesn't encourage any many good practices in software engineering. Like they don't encourage you to write functions. They give you a great IDE, which R Studio really is great, but it means that you have no idea how to function outside of that. Um, and then like the package management is crazy. You just install, people just install whatever and they're like, here's my session info, go for it. So, what? That's why package is the most important word at this year's JuliaCon. Yeah. Uh, that's great, Mary. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, we're basically at time here. Was there anything else that you wanted to um, cover or uh, any talks that you're interested in attending this year? Um, I will say Jacob's microservices talk uh, workshop from Saturday was like amazing. He covered so much ground in three and a half hours. It was, I don't know how he did that, um, but it really kind of brought together a lot of concepts from like all across Julia and like making sure understanding web step. And I'm also just very excited that exists as an example forever forward. Cause sometimes approaching these things, the documentation has really great technical stuff, but sometimes the getting started is a little bit like, wait, I just want to make a, this, how do I do that? Um, but no. Uh, and then I need to, I actually need to look more ahead at the schedule. I've been running around doing like organizing stuff and I sometimes, forget to actually watch the talks. Yeah, that's right. I didn't even, uh, I should have mentioned that Mary was one of the, um, one of the like core organizing team for this year's conference. I'm sorry, I didn't even mention that at the beginning. Um, do you want to say a bit about um, what it's been like to organize this conference? Thank you for stepping up and being one of those volunteers. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting. Um, we, we spent kind of a fair amount of time trying to figure out like, what do we want this to look like? Because once we move online, we really remove a lot of the constraints of, of time at all. So we, we even floated like, do we even want to just have like a month of Julia where there's just a lot of talks? We want to create like a one day event because three days is kind of a lot of talks in a virtual format. It's kind of harder to hold people's attention for that long. We thought a lot about platform. And one of the things we really decided is we wanted to make sure we got a bit of the sense of community that you get at a normal JuliaCon, which is kind of why we went with Discord as the platform, even though it's not perfect. None of the platforms really looked at were perfect. So kind of getting a way for people to interact and get that feel of wandering around between the voice channels and get to use their voice, but also have the text. Um, and it's been, I had barely used Discord before this and now, you know, Avik and all of his great wisdom made me an admin on a server. So now I'm just like messing around all the time being like, oh, I need to make this role and I need to do this thing and make this channel and all this stuff. And like, oh, someone can't do a thing. I need to go look into that. So it's been a learning experience, but I think today went shockingly well. There weren't any major technical issues. The live session, like 
went, which was always nerve wracking and everything kind of released on time. A few small glitches, but overall, I'm pretty excited with how it went. And the workshops too were well attended and well received. Yeah, thank you for all your work on this. I think this has been such a challenge and we're all really happy at how well it's been yes. coming out. Happy to. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And we'll thank talk you, to you again soon. Okay, thanks, Mary. And now we're going to hand it over to Huda for the last interview for today. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you for this great interview with Mary. And I have to say, like, this Julia Kahn's organization has been amazing. Like, hats off to everyone on the organizing committee. They've been doing a really great job, given that the conference is online, but still, like, We've been receiving a lot of great feedback. Uh, really hats off to everyone. Uh, so with that, we will move to the next uh, guest on our show today, uh, Matt Brzezinski. Uh, Matt, you wanna uh, come on? Hi, Matt. Hello. <coughs> so Hi, you said I you? nailed uh, I Yeah, nailed you nailed my last name. Oh, okay, so I- I'm Pronouncing it. Okay, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Uh, I think I saw your message after I said this. So I wasn't sure what, like, what was the comment about. That's why. Uh, so, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, so, just uh, for everyone watching, Matt is actually you're one of the uh, maintainers of AWS.jl. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm currently rewriting it. Rewriting it. That's a that's a bold. That's a big task. Do you want to tell us about yeah. how you're going about rewriting the package? For sure. Um, so right now there's two kind of main packages for AWS interfacing. There's AWS core, which does kind of the lower level stuff. You need to know, um, first off, like what service you're gonna use on AWS. Uh, for instance, say S3, and say you wanna get like all the objects in a bucket, you need to know that you gotta perform a get request and what the endpoint is. Um, so it's not very user friendly, but uh, if you know what you're doing, you can kind of get by. Um, and the other package is AWS SDK, which is um, a lot of higher level functions. So all you need to know, uh, you don't need to know what the request type is or what the endpoint is, just what the name of it is. So you do like AWS SDK dot S3 uh, list buckets or list objects or something like that. Uh, and then you pass your arguments in there, uh, which is also good, but then you don't know for maybe some more complex requests, uh, what the required parameters are, what the optional parameters are, uh, so in that sense, it's also not really that user-friendly. Uh, also, the updating modules for it is not working and hasn't been updated in a long time. Uh, so automating that is a really big deal. Um, so as I'm currently rewriting it in AWS JL and kind of stealing that name for a package uh, and kind of combining these two packages together to make a super user-friendly high-level package as well as low-level requests and being able to update these uh, every single day so that everyone always has the latest AWS services and uh, the latest functions for service when they get changed. That sounds amazing. Yeah, uh, it's very been, promising. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been an ongoing process uh, for the last, I'd say six months or so. Cool, nice. Um, I just, I, I remembered as you were talking about how like this was originally, um, that you were mentioning the two packages and um, now you're stealing the name and uh, rewriting AWS.jl. I think I remember the example that Scano came up with the other day about CXX wrap where uh, basically there were like earlier versions of similar packages, but like now um, there's a new package and 
Uh, I think this pattern happens a lot with uh, some some of the packages, and they just like keep evolving, and that's a promising thing. That's a, that's a good thing where uh, things are um, uh, evolving uh, in some way. Uh, so going back to your work, let's let's talk a little, a little bit about your background. So you're you work at Invinia, right? Invinia is one of the sponsors of the conference too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about your work at Invinia? Yeah, for sure. So. Um... This also kind of ties into how I got into Julia, but uh, a year ago, maybe a week ago, uh, I started using Julia for the first time. I joined Invinia, and a year uh, ago, I wrote, yeah. So I wrote so, yeah, Hello so World. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I wrote my first Hello World there, and I think I updated one or two packages from Julia 0.7 to 1.0, and then uh, JulieCon 2019 happened. So I went out to Baltimore with all my new coworkers and got to meet a few people there, and kind of get involved in the language a lot. And it was a really interesting experience to kind of learn a new language just by going to the largest con- or like one of the bigger conferences for it. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then ever since I've just been kind of dabbling in our own personal stuff and Invinia work, uh, and then kind of in the open source community with uh, Julia Cloud mainly, uh, as well as a few other packages. Wow. Uh, so I think that's a that, that's a very inspirational story that you actually really just learned about Julia just a year ago, and now you're rewriting one really um, a promising package. So maybe do you do you have any words for anyone maybe listening now and maybe just getting started in Julia? Do you think there's still a lot of is, is there a lot of space to uh, possibly grow in uh, Julia and like maybe um, aspects of Julia to work on? Do you, do you have any comments on that? Um, yeah, actually, uh, I think Julia is like in this perfect middle ground where it's established quite a bit and it has like a nice concrete user base. Um, but there's still like a lot of packages that need to be updated because they're kind of old or new things that can be built out. Um, I feel like we're a small enough community where, um, you can kind of have these opportunities to make these things and learn. Um, and everyone is super friendly. Like every single person I've talked to on Slack or in person at last year's JuliaCon, uh, has just been like outstanding. Um, like it's just, it's been easily the most welcoming community that I've been a part of. So I'd say awesome. for everyone yeah. who's like new to Julia, um, you know, find some packages or things that you're interested in and uh, just message the creators or the maintainers of it. Um, and I'm sure they'd be happy to kind of help you get started with it and contribute to it as well. Yeah, I second that. Yeah. Uh, so aside from AWS.jl, is there, uh, do you use Julia for any other projects or um, not necessarily like maybe personal projects or um, maybe within, um, um, I don't know, um, if you're working on something that another package you're curious about or anything like that? Uh, so I don't have too many personal projects anymore. Uh, back in my university days, uh, I'd kind of blow off my assignments to be creative and make my own stuff. But nowadays, it's just uh, kind of contributing to the Julia community. Um, but outside of that, um, HTTPJL is something that is interesting to me. Um, also, retry.gl JL is something that I'm going to be working on updating because uh, it hasn't been touched in a while as well as um, some of the JSON packages. Nice. Uh, they, they all fit in a very similar bundle. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like all the web and cloud stuff is uh, kind of my go-to. 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so this, you said, is your uh, second Julia Khan. Yeah. Uh, have you attended any of the talks today or any of the workshops uh, over the past few days? Or are you looking forward to any of the talks or uh, anything yeah, in this so, Julia Khan? Uh, once again, Jacob Quinn's workshop kind of stuck out to me. Uh, it's still mind-blowing how much stuff he got through uh, in the short amount of time. But uh, it was I really think Jacob is on the live stream. So hi, Jacob. <laughs> shout, hi, shout Jacob. Out to Jacob. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really good. Um, at a few companies ago that I used to work at, uh, we did lots of microservices and I kind of forgot about that. So it was interesting to see uh, how um, uh, microservices are implemented in Julia. Um, and going forward, I'm really looking towards uh, the VS Code uh, for Julia development talk. I believe that's tomorrow or Friday, um, as I just started using VS Code last week. So it's exciting to see all the new uh, stuff coming out for that. Awesome. Actually, VS Code has been mentioned on this podcast. Maybe this is like number 10 or so. Uh, just a lot, like multiple uh, people mentioned when, when, when we asked them about um, what is their um, software, like what software they use or what IDE they use. Uh, a lot of people uh, mentioned uh, VS Code. Uh, so what's the reason you're starting to use VS Code? Is there a specific reason or everyone seems to be using it these days? Um, so I was originally using Sublime, but it didn't have enough features for me. Uh, so I got a PyCharm license with the Julia plugin for that. Uh, however, that plugin's not really maintained as much. Um, so then I decided, why not try VS Code? A lot of people use it. Um, and I saw that there was a talk coming up for it at this JuliaCon. So I figured I might as well just kind of start dabbling in that and learn the layout of it. Uh, so it's, it's been exciting. Uh, cool. So, Matt, we are actually starting to run out of time. Uh, do you have any last-minute thoughts or like anything you want to share with um, everyone watching? Everyone's gonna who's gonna watch the edited version. Uh, anything you want to say, really? Uh, I hope everyone has a great JulieCon. Um, I hope next year we can do this in person and see each other. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming. We hope to be there too as well. Like everyone <laughs> hopes to be physically present in the same space. We actually did come up with a better idea for next JuliaCon, maybe pre-record all the videos and then just go to JuliaCon and hang out. I think that was James Fairbanks' idea. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, uh, Matt, I also yeah. wanted to personally thank you for all your help on getting the AWS packages fixed uh, when I did the, uh, the dash dash bug report option for Julia 1.5 was in a bit of a time crunch to get that done and uh, things kept breaking. Um, so I, you know, you stepped up and, and fixed AWS S3 for me. So uh, I was very thankful. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I was happy to help. And it works now. So that's a <laughs> bonus. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Okay, goodbye, Matt. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, so for now, we are just about to um, wrap up. We are uh, a little maybe over time even. Uh, thanks everyone who tuned in to uh, the live stream. Thanks to everyone who is watching the edited version. Uh, I hope you're enjoying these uh, episodes. Please uh, fill the survey down below. We're receiving a lot of uh, good feedback. We're actually bringing uh, most of our guests actually from uh, the feedback form that you're posting. So uh, make sure to uh, suggest um, uh, guests to bring on or comments or um, even topics to talk about uh, in the show. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, that's it for today.
See you tomorrow. Bye. See you tomorrow. You're right. Oh, Jacob just said probably my favorite episode yet. Great stuff. Oh, that's thanks, awesome. Jacob. Well, he—I mean, he got shouted out like three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like he—he's a little bit biased here. <laughs>